Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Recently, Dad and Angie and myself had the opportunity to go to a wonderful conference in Denver on church multiplication. What we didn't know before we left is that we were going to be, we weren't staying in a hotel, we were going to be hosted by this amazing family whenever we took this trip. So they knew how to make people feel welcome. They had bedrooms prepared for us whenever we got there. Breakfast was ready in the morning. And when I say breakfast, I don't mean the kind of breakfast Matt Smith would prepare by throwing out a granola bar. I'm talking about like yogurt, fruit, coffee, teas, every, everything that you could think of was out there. It looked like, a, looked like a really nice hotel. They even let us borrow their cars. Who does that? Who is ever going to let me in Colorado borrow their car? But one thing was very clear to us. This wasn't just the first time that they had ever done this. They had kind of set their lives up around a Christian biblical hospitality. And meaning that for other conferences, for other people that were going in and out of town, this was something that they regularly did. Their kids were grown. They had the opportunity. They had a decent sized house. And when people came in, they didn't charge us anything. All they did was give and give and give. You know, when I said I had an, last week said I had an expiration for people, they would even do this. They would say, well, we know you've had a long day at the conference. So if you need some time to yourself, we're just going to, you know, so it's like they were available for conversation. But if you needed that time alone, just the beautiful views they had in their backyard, you can imagine. um, Well, I have to say this. We were in Colorado and there were some forest fires going on. You couldn't even see the mountains. Who goes to Colorado and can't see the mountains? Us. That's the way it works. But anyway, it was just a beautiful place. It was in this uh, suburb, this little area of Littleton, Colorado, that was was absolutely beautiful. So a, a couple things occurred to me. One was that they had set their lives up around biblical hospitality. And the second that I've already expressed, I am really, really bad at that part of, of hospitality. So we are in the second part of our fall practice for spiritual formation. Formation is one of our core values, and this means to become students of Jesus. So twice a year, in the spring and in the fall, we take a spiritual discipline, something that Jesus practiced on a regular basis, and we teach this to our people. In the spring, we covered scripture, and in the fall, now, we're, dis- we're discussing hospitality. There are also a lot of recommended readings on our website. If you decide that you want to go there and check some things out, there's some things that you can look at to read upon this much further. So we are spending five weeks discussing Christian hospitality, and today we're going to take a little bit different of a direction than we will the, la- the other weeks, and we're going to talk about hospitality and Christian witness. All right, so this is going to be a little bit different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture just a little bit away from where I will be every other week with talking real directly 
about hospitality, and I'm going to talk about the importance of Christian witness, just like this couple that we talked about in Littleton, Colorado, within the context of hospitality. So again, I'm going to go over the goals for our fall practice. I'll mention this every single week. The first one is for you to become more hospitable like Jesus, for you to understand what it means to welcome the stranger to welcome the outsider, uh, to love the person that's on the margins. That's really what we want for our church to be about. But in order for our church to be about that, we must first learn what it means to be that as individuals. All right. And then also as families. All right. But then what we're going to do in part four and part five, we're going to go to goal two for part four for our church to practice hospita hospitality toward guests and outsiders. So what that means is that when people visit us, this physical location on Sunday mornings, what is our posture supposed to look like? What does it mean to truly welcome and love people that are different than us, that don't look like the typical people that have flooded, you know, Southern evangelical churches, you know, for the last 100 years? But then the fifth part, uh, this, this goal number three, for our church to be seen as a good neighbor by those around us. So what we're going to focus on the last week is really what it means to be a church in the neighborhood, not for people who are going to come to us, but how do we create this presence within a five to 10 mile radius around us that Believer's Church exists and that Believer's Church is here for you and that this is a safe place. This is not a scary place where you're going to come in and you're going to be judged and you're going to be criticized and you're going to feel like you're outside of the group. But what does it actually mean for us to become a church where people feel that they can come in at any time if they're struggling in their marriage, if they're going through addiction issues, if they're having problems with their children, if they just heard they've been diagnosed with an illness, that people are still looking for answers and I still believe this is the best place to find them. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And that's where we need to be. This place, and this is, this is something I'll probably say in week five, our community should suffer if these doors close. If we are no longer here and we are no longer creating that salt and light presence with people around us, I mean, because what if Believer's Church just closed the doors and nobody even knew it? That'd be the case with a lot of churches. I didn't know that church was no longer meeting. In fact, maybe I didn't even know that was a church. All right, but what does it mean to really have that presence around us geographically? All right, so I'm going to ask you to go to 1 Peter today, chapter 3, if you do have your Bible. Otherwise, you can follow on the screen. I'll give you a second to get there if you want to. You can use your phone. 1 Peter, chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And what Peter is doing here, Peter is informing us of three things that I believe are primarily about Christian witness, but also show us the relationship between Christian witness and Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality should always reveal the risen Christ every single time. So when people ask, you know, why are you doing these things? Or you seem like you, you care about me. I had, a, I had a girl actually from, from the trailer park down the road. She said, I'm sorry. She sent me this message and she may be listening today. She said, I'm sorry, but I'm really just not used to people that I don't know telling me they love me very often. All right, so how do we show this salt and light to people around us? There should be a relationship between hospitality and Christian witness. So last week, we defined hospitality as guest friendship or ritualized friendship, all right? Friendship of the stranger. 
All right, this is what this means. It's not difficult for me to be friends or to be friendly with the majority of the people that are in this room, but it's very difficult sometimes for us to step outside of the lines and outside of those boundaries and show other people that are very different from us that don't share the same beliefs, that maybe don't have the same income, that don't look the same as far as skin color, that don't look the same as far as the things that they're interested in. Sometimes it's more difficult for church people uh, to share love to those kinds of people. So that's where we're going to focus. All right. But then we have this definition of, excuse me, Christian witness. And this is our public life of faith that awakens outsiders to what we're doing. So let's go here. First, Peter, Peter is addressing Christian husbands and wives. Next, Peter addresses all believers, commanding us to set ourselves aside in order to be unified together. All right. So first Peter chapter three, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. This is the common English Bible. Who will harm you if you're zealous for good, if everything in you is about doing good? But happier you even if you suffer because of righteousness. Don't be terrified or upset by them. He's talking specifically about persecution, and he's writing to persecution, persecuted Christians all over Asia Minor. Instead, regard Christ as holy in your hearts. Whenever one asks you to speak of your hope, what is it that makes you the way that you are? Where does this joy radiate from? Why are you so enthusiastic about your life? Be ready to defend it. Yet do this with respectful humility, maintaining a good conscience. Act in this way so that those who malign your good lifestyle in Christ or say bad things about you may be ashamed when they slander you. It is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Christ himself suffered on account of sins once for all, the righteous on behalf of the unrighteous. He did this in order to bring you into the presence of God. Christ was put to death as a human, but was made alive by the Spirit. So again, I think what we have next here is the definitions of these two things that I talked about, hospitality, guest friendship, or ritualized friendship. Witness is proclamation to outsiders about this lifestyle that you have. You know, I had someone tell me, and this was years ago whenever I was drinking a lot, but a friend, a group of friends of mine that I hung out with, I told them I had this function at church the next day, so I I shouldn't drink too much. And this is when I first started living in Kentucky and kind of started going back to church a little bit. And this guy said to me, he said, Matt, you go to church. Imagine what that feels like. But that's how a lot of us are whenever we're at work. That's how a lot of us are when we're around certain friends. That's the way a lot of us are when we're around certain family members. People actually wouldn't even know that you go to church unless you happen to tell them. So hospitality is to embrace and welcome outsiders, and witness is proclamation to outsiders. All right, so Christian hospitality and Christian witness are deeply interconnected. Right, there is a relationship between the two. Some years back, I remember hearing a politician say she has always been suspicious of people who wear their religious beliefs on their sleeves. Religion, according to her, should be a private matter. Let me say this and let me make this clear. I'm suspicious of people who hide their religious beliefs. 
I'm suspicious of people who will not talk about the risen Savior. I am suspicious of people who call themselves Christians, but whenever it comes to their day job or the situation they're in, are never going to talk about this. I do not believe that faith is a private matter. I believe that it contradicts everything that we see in Scripture. People should publicly know through everything that I do and everything that I represent, and especially whenever I have the desire to be hospitable to people and to show that kind of love, they need to understand, as Peter says, where my hope comes from and where my love comes from. So it's not just about some of the things that we talked about last week with maybe, well, we're supposed to have people into our home. That's wonderful. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Of course we are. It's one of the two great commandments. But we are also supposed to let people know why we believe the things that we do and where our hope comes from. It would be a shame for a follower of Jesus. In fact, I don't think many addicts can do this. But for a follower of Jesus but that, that was an addict that's been saved by the grace of God, for someone to say, well, how did you get sober? Oh, well, I just started attending 12-step meetings. Oh, well, I just one day decided enough was enough, so I stopped. No, they're going to start praising Jesus from the rooftop because it's changed everything about the way they see their lives. And it's the same thing with some of you that have struggled with issues like pornography, that have struggled with issues like darkness in different areas of your life. We proclaim the name of Jesus. Verse 15 says this, Instead, regard Christ the Lord as holy in your hearts. Whenever someone asks you of your hope, why are, why are you doing these things? Why is it that you desire to have us in your home? Why is it that your church is so welcoming? Why is it that, let's take that one for a second. Why is your church so welcoming? Because I'm a sinner too, and Jesus saved my heart. And I'm not in some place where I'm up higher than you or better than you. In fact, in many cases, I'm much lower than you. So for me to not associate with you doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But you know how a lot of religious people are. You know how a lot of church people are. Well, they're acceptable if they meet this criteria or if they can clean themselves up a little bit before they come in here. You can't get cleaned up till Jesus cleans you up. Anything else that you're trying to do is like this Americanized form of Buddhism. It's something, it's something completely different. It's self-help psychology. Some statistics from 2021, 2020, I'm sorry, because one of the issues that we find today that is one of our biggest problems with showing Christian witness through hospitality is isolation, all right? We are very isolated people Today And I don't have it in my pocket right now, but you can guarantee what the biggest thing is uh, that is isolating us. Some, some statistics so far, I'm sorry, this is 2021. On average, we touch our phones 2,619 times a day. Heavy users touch their phones 5,427 times a day. Owing to the pandemic, electronic device usage nearly doubled among kids in the United States. The average U.S. adult spends three hours and 43 minutes on their phone today. And I can promise you, if you ever look at your kids' phones, this is a very, and some of your own phones, this is a very, very, very low number. So the problem is, 
that we are distracted. And here is the tragedy. Most of us agree with this, but we don't care enough to change it. That's just a fact within the church. We are so distracted from other people and from the need to show Christian witness wherever we are that we don't even recognize it. And I'm going to tell you this, regardless of of what your age is or where you may be in your life, you cannot consistently throughout the day follow social media hour by hour and follow Jesus at the same time. You cannot check every sports score every, every time you, you get a notification about a news, you know, from your news app or whatever it might be, the calories you've taken in during the day. You can't follow these things obsessively throughout the day and be an intentional follower of Jesus. What's going to happen through the practice of hospitality and also through the need and the desire for Christian witness is that you're going to miss opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. So I don't think there's anything wrong with social. I mean, most of it's, most of it's junk, but I'm on social media almost every single day. I, I check sports score. I do the same things that you guys do every single day. But if there aren't limits and there aren't, there's not some level of control over this, you are going to isolate yourself from the people that you should be changing. You see, in the past, I think what we would have said is that the reason that we weren't bold about our faith and the reason that Christian witness wasn't a real thing was because people were ashamed. I think that's what they would have said in the past. Maybe people just didn't quite have the boldness to speak out in certain situations. I don't think that would be the case today. I think today the case is isolation. I think we are so isolated from the people that we should be paying attention to that it's absolutely blinding in our lives. I've tried to make it a point in my life to see more people around me. And I'm not just talking about the lunchroom project and neighborhood nights and things that we do as a church. I'm talking about in the grocery store. I'm talking about when I walk into a restaurant. I'm talking about even people that are in my neighborhood trying to pay attention and see people that were also created in the Imago Dei or the image of God. And we simply cannot do that if we're distracted all of the time. My belief, my belief behind this is that it will open the door to making us more hospitable people. It's gonna turn us into that just as a result. So then the next thing that I want you guys to recognize is that Christian hospitality and Christian witness that are bound together are enabled by the cross. All right, they're enabled by the cross. I want to make the argument that the sacrifice that Jesus made was a form of hospitality. The sacrifice that Jesus made for us was a form, and we don't have all the words on there, but that's okay, was a form of hospitality. Jesus offered sinners an invitation to a completely new way of life. Verse 18 says this, Christ himself suffered on account of sins, once for all, the righteous one on behalf of the unrighteous. He did this in order to bring us in to the presence of God. I believe that we learn Christian hospitality opposed to simply ancient hospitality as an outpouring 
of an experience with the cross. And my firm belief, again, with complete love and companionship and just happiness with the opportunity to be around so many of you, is that there are some of us that still have like this deep religiosity and it's rooted and it's grounded within us. But we still have an absence of what it means to experience the cross. And I'm not talking about experiencing the cross back in 1987 or in in, in 2002, whenever you made this profession of faith. I'm talking about a daily walk. And the reason that you are able to be good to other people, the reason that you're able to extend and show hospitality is because the power of the cross is constantly pouring out of you in every way. I believe that there are people in here that have been saved, but at this stage of your life, you are desensitized to the power of what the cross should mean in your life. And if that is the case, and that's a very real thing, and you can't break down every time we talk about the cross in a real way, my prayer is that you're on this altar when we leave today. My prayer is that you do not leave this place today without a real presence, without a real knowledge of the sacrifice that was made for you. So take into consideration this invitation and what this actually looks like. When I embraced the cross, I was accepting an invitation. When I saw myself as welcomed or acceptable to God, I felt love, I felt embrace, I felt welcome. All of the important things that we're talking about with hospitality. When I left a former life behind, I was being loved and taken care of by a host. This host who was God. When the prodigal returns, he is invited to a party. Hospitality is all over, Christian witness. But we struggle with hospitality because we really struggle with Christian witness. So I'm not just talking about having people over to your house for the UT game or for a survivor party or to have all your friends come over for a big dinner. I'm talking about what is actually behind why you do what you do. Every situation that I'm in in my life these days, the first thing that crosses my mind is how can I, even in my secular job, how can I magnify Jesus? through this experience? How can people know? How can I just just cut this into the conversation so somehow Jesus comes up? And this is what it means to have true uh, proclamation. So learning to practice hospitality is more, again, than an ancient ritual. It's an act of love that was first made possible by the cross of Christ. And that's something that I want to give you guys an invitation day to, to, to experience. Peter will go on and he will connect hospitality and witness even further. In chapter four, he says this, open your homes to each other without complaining and serve each other according to the gift each person has received as as good managers of God's diverse gifts. Whoever speaks should do to those who speak God's word. Whoever serves should do so from the strength that God furnishes. Do this so that in everything, God may be honored through Jesus Christ. It's 
all from, from, from the first moment until someone leaves your home or, or leaves the restaurant that you're at, or you sit down at that coffee shop to have that conversation. It's all about bringing glory to God. And this is enabled by the power of the cross. So what else is Peter telling us? He says that Christian hospitality and Christian witness are also both empowered by the Spirit. They're both greatly empowered by the Spirit, meaning that whenever you walk into these moments of hospitality, whenever you start to practice this as a believer, it has to be empowered by the Spirit. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone? Have you ever been in a situation where you've just walked away and you've said, there is something that is so different about them? Like they are not like other people who call themselves Christians. There's not just that same kind of language or that same kind of churchy talk or even that kind of look that I get when I know that people are judging me, but they just love me. They just love me. for no, I, I can just continue to go back to them. That trust has been built from moment one. When that happens, conversation has been empowered by the Spirit. It's been moved by the Spirit. It's nothing you can do. There are people in this church who have wonderful personalities. And then there are people like me. It's supposed to be funny. I'm sorry. Oh, man, tough crowd. All right. There are people in this church with wonderful personalities. There are people that really struggle, introverts that really struggle with this kind of thing. But you know what? That doesn't matter. Because when the Spirit empowers a moment, Everything changes, and this can't happen if we aren't paying attention to what's going on. Verse 18 says this at the second part, Christ was put to death as a human, but he was made alive by the Spirit. And this is where everything changes. Peter is saying that Christ died because he has a, he has a physical human body that couldn't withstand the trauma that it experienced. But the Spirit brought life back into the body. You want to know one of the greatest forms of hospitality? Adoption. And some of you in here know that from personal experience. If you have adopted or you've been adopted, and you want to know something? The Holy Spirit loves to adopt. The Holy Spirit loves to bring change. The Holy Spirit loves to take broken people that are hurting, that on the outside give the impression that everything is okay. And what Jesus says is you have a seat at my table. This obstacle that you're going through in your job, this difficulty that you have in your marriage, this addiction that has you hung up that you've told yourself three or four times, I'm going to quit, I'm going to stop, I'm going to do it, and you find yourself unsuccessful again, it is by the power of the Spirit that everything changes. There are things that I've witnessed in my life that I cannot even begin to explain in any other way. But I'm going to tell you something. If we do it halfway, if we just go into this, you see, what I, what I find more and more, and God just continues to speak to me about this, is this Christianity without risk. Like this this. This Christianity without risk, I, I am here to tell you, and I know you guys have problems. You have the same kind of problems that, that everyday problems do. But if the bottom of your life doesn't appear, and this is going to sound strange, but if the bottom of your life doesn't appear that it could fall out at any moment, maybe you're doing something wrong. 
Christianity was never intended to be comfortable. Following Jesus was never intended to be easy. And when we find our lives isolated and connected to other things constantly over and over and over again, we are missing the people that God wants us to see that are coming into our lives. And this is really what Peter is saying as he goes throughout this entire letter. This is one thing that he's trying to tell uh, the people. So the Holy Spirit loves to adopt. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says this, all who are led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear, but you received a spirit that shows you as adopted as his children. With this spirit, we cry, Abba, which is Aramaic, not for father or some formal term, but daddy, like this level of intimacy that we have with the father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. In their book, The Art of Neighboring, which is actually on your recommended readings list, the book, The Art of Neighboring, Jay Pothick and, and Dave Runyon say this, the solutions to the problems in our neighborhoods, and that's what we could be talking about as a neighborhood church, the ultimate solutions to the problems in our neighborhoods aren't ultimately found in government, police, or schools, or even getting more people into church. The solution lies within us. It's within our power to become good neighbors, to care for the people around us and to be cared for by the people around us. Hospitality must bear witness to the risen Christ at all times. Hospitality must be enabled by the power of the Spirit at all times. Otherwise, we may just fall into the category of being really, really good people. And there is a difference in someone that is blood bought by the Son of God and someone who happens to just be a really, really good person. So we're talking about a genuine, deep form of salvation. So how do we create this witness? How is it that we really change our neighborhood. You know, you know whenever, I, whenever I talk about this and I drive through these neighborhoods praying directly in front of us, which we, we see a, a very different socioeconomic situation than we do, maybe going in the direction behind us in some cases or going to uh, different directions around us. But whenever we drive through these neighborhoods or I drive through these neighborhoods and I'm praying, Holy Spirit, show up in these places. Holy Spirit, show up. Let, let people understand what it means that there is a resurrected Christ that loves them and cares for them. What is it exactly that we're talking about? Just a pipe dream that maybe this will happen, maybe it won't. That's not what my God does. I believe in a complete transformation of this small neck of the woods that God has given us. And then I believe in sending that further and further and further and further to the ends of the earth. That's the work that God does. So how do we create this witness? First, we must have an experience with the cross. And the tragedy is that a lot of people go to church. They become, they become wonderful, ritualized people. But they've never really come to this, this place in their lives where they recognize, I am a sinner. And everything in my life can completely be transformed and changed. And I couldn't accept that God really loved me prior to this because I don't love myself. I've continued to mess up. I've got three or four failed marriages. 
I've used drugs, I've drank alcohol, I've had these issues for 20 years now, 30 years now. Um, I'm a product of abuse and I don't know what to do about that. Um, I'm, I'm constantly arguing with my spouse. We're married and things may look all right on the outside, but it's not. A God can't love me. And I'm here to tell you today that before we can ever really start this kind of hospitality, and I'm not talking about something as simple as praying a prayer. I do believe that's a great start. But I'm talking about being empowered by the cross through everything that you do in your life. But we must not also see our need to experience the cross, but we must also be empowered by the Spirit. It always says when referring to the Spirit in Scripture, being led by the Spirit. And the prayers that some of you have in this church, I know because you've talked to me about these things, is that daily through your life, you're not praying, God, let my will be done. Let this work out for me. Let me get this job. Let me, let me marry this, this perfect person. Let this happen. Let that happen or anything like that. But let me be led by the Spirit. Because when you are led by the Spirit, you are going to be led into places you never could have imagined on your own, and they are going to be better for you than you ever could have imagined on your own. I mean, I am, I am a witness to this and several other people in this church are. So when this happens, whenever you experience the cross and it starts to pour out of you, whenever you are empowered and led by the Spirit, all of a sudden, whenever we're talking about hospitality and how we're supposed to treat, otherwise, it, or, uh, for starters, it just absolutely kills that desire you have to judge other people. Because you see yourself as such a dirty, rotten, scoundrel sinner that you just, you're, you're the, you know, the, the person in the Bible, the widow that's just looking up to heaven, saying, Having, have mercy upon me, a sinner. So whenever you find yourself empowered by the Spirit, whenever you find yourself with the experience of the cross, we really learn how we're supposed to treat people. With all heads bowed uh, this morning and all eyes closed, you may be in here today and, and you know that you've not experienced the cross in this way. You know that this has not been a real thing uh, to you, that, that you, you, you maybe kind of sometimes superficially talk to God about your day, but as far as this deep change within that has taken the hatred, the anger, the inability to forgive, uh, the power of addiction, the power of the struggle that you go through in so many different ways, and it's not been changed, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus this morning. And something else that I want to offer and tell you about is that you have a church that loves you very much, that wants to walk through with you through uh, the difficult things that you're going to go through because you are going to experience a lot of different things. If you feel led this morning, if the Spirit is dealing with you, I just want to, want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that I need you. I'm asking that you forgive me of my sins. That you help me to put the past in the past. I'm ready to take that step out. And from this day forward, it is my desire to follow you. Again, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning and you know you're ready for change in your life, 
Would you simply lift your hand so that we can acknowledge that that decision has been made? Anyone in here today, you've prayed that prayer for the first time and you know that the Spirit is dealing with you. There are others of you in here today and, and you would be honest enough to say, I have forgotten my first love. And I know that I've accepted Jesus. I know that I'm a Christian. But the gratitude, the priority, the placement of the cross, the work of the Spirit, I'm not ready right now or in a place to be hospitable to others because I'm in such a struggling place myself. I'm, I'm numb to spirituality, and a lot of that may be because you've made the decision to step away. And if that's you in here this morning, I'd just like to ask you to raise your hand so that we can pray for you. Anyone in here today, you're just in a, in a thank you, ma'am, for your honesty. Anyone else in here, you're just thank you, ma'am, on the right. Anyone else in here this morning, you're honest enough to admit you're just dead right now. You're just in a place of complacency and you desire God to bring you out of that complacency. Father, we come to you this morning and we lift you up. We pray, God, that, that we turn everything over to you and that we, we see the cross as the, the only symbol, Father, that can lead us because of what it represents and what it means. The crucified Christ for us at all times. God, I pray that we try not to work in our own strength, but instead we depend upon the Spirit to move us in every way possible. God, for heavy hearts, for people that are carrying burdens this morning, for people that are struggling, God, I pray that they are able to lay those down this morning. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.